Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Seku Smith and John Schumann here at Oracle Arena getting ready for game two of the finals between the Golden State Warriors and Cleveland Cavaliers. John, one thing I like about the final schedule is that you get a couple days after game one. Win or lose, you get a couple days to kind of catch your breath, kind of wrap your head around what you saw in game one, analyze it a little bit more, you know, not make any knee-jerk reactions to what you saw. Um, I watched the game back um, on NBA TV uh, late last night and saw like five or six strange things that I didn't remember seeing, you know, in real time. Um, Clay Thompson's ankle injury. Hey, I'm trying to figure out how in the world he played on that the entire game and, and then played as well as he did. Do you think that, or are you curious about whether or not his availability for game two and what kind of effectiveness he can have after seeing him limp around today here at, uh, at practice? I think I think we can be pretty confident that he'll play. The question is you know, his effectiveness. Obviously, I think when you suffer an injury, um, it might be easier to get back on the court that night than it is to get back on the court a day or two later, just because um, of the adrenaline, or or you know you haven't let it cool off and stiffen up at any point. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see if how how well he moves on uh, in game two on Sunday. Um, that's obviously a huge question, and and with Andre Iguodala probably out, um, it does take a hit. You know, the Golden State isn't that deep on the on the perimeter. You know, they have a lot of bigs, but they don't have a lot of um, perimeter players to step in. So we may see you know more of Patrick McCaw. Um, you know, Sean Livingston may have a bigger role. Um, you know, one of the things I'm curious to see actually is is more of uh, Sean Livingston with the with the four All Stars uh, in Golden State. Um, that's a lineup that we did not see at all in regulation, um, and we talked about it the uh, the other night. Um, that was a key to their overtime uh, efficiency on offense was was Livingston coming in and the ball just moving better with with more ball handlers out there, um, and so. That's one thing I'm looking for in, in, in game two from the Warriors is do they go to that lineup with Livingston and the four All-Stars as a small lineup, and they, they may get hurt on the boards with it. Um, but it was an effective lineup, obviously, in overtime in game one. I really appreciated the perspective that Kevin Durant had on the way he's been playing in these playoffs and kind of how he's struggled, you know, here recently. Um I feel like Durant has to play bigger. And I, what I mean by that is he's got to be – remember in last year in the finals, he seemed like he rebounded better. He was more of a rim protector. Um, I have not seen that from him to the same level in these playoffs. The scoring, he's always going to score. He's always going to end up scoring a lot of points and, and handling his business on that end. But it's the 
the thing that to me that separated him and set him apart last year was the the way he affected games defensively. And I think to me, if there's an adjustment for the Warriors to make, that's it. Like he's got to become more of a factor other than just a guy you throw the ball to trying to get buckets. Yeah, I thought um, I remember last year in, in after game one, marveling at his defense against LeBron James. I mean, he didn't shut him down at all, but he just made it. I mean, made it he, difficult. Yeah, yeah he, he's probably as as uh, has the with his length, his size, and his uh, mobility can can defend LeBron, you know, as well as anybody. Uh, LeBron, he, who got yeah fifty one, <laughs> part of that with a bad eye and. A few points without the bat. Right, but now, like in this, in like we saw in Game One here, that they, the you know, there's just so much switching going on that even though Durant was uh, LeBron's initial defender on every on every possession when he was on the floor, basically, um, it didn't necessarily end up that way. Um, but yes, he could be more engaged off the ball, um, be more of a rim protector off the ball. Um, we saw that a little bit in in game one. Um, there was a, a a possession I remember vividly where uh, Curry got switched onto LeBron and LeBron sort of beat him to the basket and, Le- and Durant was there to sort of chase him off and and, and make him kick it out uh, late in the shot clock. Um, with offensively, I think there's a fine line between uh, Durant trying to do his thing and then working within the Warriors offense with with ball movement with player movement in the fourth quarter in game one we saw too much stagnation especially when Durant would isolate and I think um, that was part of the reason why uh, you know a six-point Warriors lead became a a two-point deficit pretty quickly you got some some notes or anything that sticks out to you after you've kind of analyzed all these things from game one and, and what we're looking for in game two one thing I want to look at is um, I'd be curious about is the Cleveland offensive glass versus the Warriors in transition. Um, the Cavs outscored the Warriors 21 to 10 on second chance points. Um, they they killed them on the offensive glass. But when you send guys to the offensive glass, you're giving up stuff in transition. And the Warriors outscored them had 28 fast break points in Game One, and that's you know that's too much for Cleveland. Um, they obviously want to control the pace. They're going to play pretty slow and deliberate. And, you know, if they can get those offensive rebounds and, and get second chances, that's great. It slows the Warriors down. But if they're sending guys to the glass, like if you have LeBron James driving to the basket and you have shooters in the corners and you have guys, bigs crashing the glass, well, that's a lot of guys that are below the foul line on your end of the floor. And if the Warriors do get the rebound, um, you're not. You're in pretty bad position as far as transition defense, um, and that's sort of a push and pull that I'm curious to to, to keep an eye on uh, going forward in this series. Is how if the Cavs can take advantage of the glass, but not uh, get beaten transition so often. Um, we saw J.R. Smith in the hallway. Um, clearly, he doesn't read social media or other <laughs> or listen to sports talk radio because if. He'd have known the things I've been saying the last couple of days. He might not, have, you know, get me dap. And <laughs> but he looked like he's at least, uh, you know, engaged. Like, you know, I, I was wondering how he would walk in here today. Whether or not he'd be trying to put on a brave face, or if he, you know, what I mean, like just what his demeanor would be. He didn't look worse for the wear. And LeBron mentioned something interesting that if anybody's capable of bouncing back from an adverse situation. It's a guy who's had a lot of practice, like Jr. 
I sort of agree with that. But then I also remember um, when he got suspended for, I think it was an elbow to Jason Terry uh, when he was with the Knicks. Um, they played the Celtics in the first round. He got suspended for a game. I think the Knicks got through that series. But coming back from that suspension, he was terrible. Like, he, he was really, really bad. And you think he was pressing? It, or he was... It, I think it affected him going forward. And um, and so, I'll, yeah, I'm curious to see how he comes out. Obviously, he's a huge part. Like, the Cavs desperately need other guys to make shots. Yeah. I think Golden State, um, while they were switching and, and letting LeBron play one-on-one, they were quick to help. So when he attacked, you could see three, four guys in the paint, Warriors in the paint trying to uh, collapse and keep him from getting to the basket. And the Cavs just missed uh, a lot of open shots. You know, guys, Cavs not named LeBron shot seven for 30 from three-point range. Um, So it's critical that, you know, JR recovers from that, that Jeff Green uh, hits some shots, that George Hill hits some shots. Um, That's obviously a a big thing for game two. Game two, the finals, Oracle Arena Sunday. Um, Tune in ABC, certainly. Check NBA.com for all the coverage. Seku Smith here, John Schumann in the building, practice, trying to figure out how this thing's going to play out when we get the Warriors and the Cavaliers on the floor for another game. I, I feel like we watch these two teams so many times. You know, you, they only play twice a year in the regular season, but we've seen them so much with, with these finals matchups. I mean, it's almost like it feels like they play every other week. But, when but, you get to the finals. But game one still gave us a lot of new stuff yeah, to talk you're right. about. So you're right. who knows what's coming in game two? No no doubt about it. We'll uh, we'll check in with you again after game two, Sunday night at Oracle Arena, right here on the Hangtime Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts for a new episode every Thursday this season. And as always, say kuna matata.